let's get ready to go and dive into the Word. Now, I hope you're ready for where we're headed in the Word of God. We've been kind of saying some things that's been kind of radical. It's been messing with folks' religion and stuff that we've been taught throughout the years, especially this thing about having to earn our salvation and then work real hard to keep it. I don't know about you, but like I said, being raised in church literally my entire life, uh, I was always taught that you could somehow lose your salvation and somehow fall from grace if you didn't act right all the time. Am I alone in that? Is there anybody else with me? If that's you, just wave at me real quick. Yeah, yeah. Taught that somehow you could, you could fall out of a right relationship with God or fall, better yet, they would use the scripture, fall from, what was it? Grace. And I'm going to show you today what it means to actually fall from grace. But before I show you what it means to fall from grace, I need to show you what it means to be in grace. Jesus called it one thing in particular. It was called the peace of Jesus. And we've been talking about receiving the peace of Jesus. And we're going to continue on in that. But there's a little caveat to the title for the day. It's receiving the peace of Jesus. We are the righteous. Say that with me. Say, I am the righteous. One more time. I am the righteous. Now, by the end of the day, I think you might be shouting the fact that you are indeed the righteousness of God. Because <laughs> that's some good news. Go with me to John chapter 14. John 14, verse 25. And we'll look at this in the New Living... Well, actually, I'll read it first in the King James, and then we'll come back to the New Living Translation. Uh, John four, uh, 15. Did I say 15 or 14? 14, yes. 25. And we're going to go down to verse 27. And this is Jesus talking. He said, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Verse 27. Read this with me. Ready? Read. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, I read that scripture a ton of times, and oftentimes we just kind of run past that scripture. And man, it was about two, three, maybe about three, four months ago. I was, you know, just studying regular for messages, and I came up with the scripture like I have a million times before. And I was tempted just to run past it, and the Holy Spirit told me, you got to slow down and pay attention to that. And then I started looking at, and this is what we all should be doing as we study the Word. When you see something you don't quite understand, you should stop to study what the heck it means. And I begin to say, what is the peace of Jesus? Because he said, I'm about to go. But I'm going to send the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know that's pretty important? He's pretty important. But he didn't stop there. He said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, but I'm leaving my peace. And I stopped and paused and said, how come ain't nobody ever told me what that, that meant? Because how many of you guys know if Jesus has given me a gift, I want to know what it is. In all these years, I, I've literally looked at that and said, oh, his peace means, you know, what shalom means, nothing missing, lacking or broken. And I found out that that's not necessarily incorrect, but it's sure enough incomplete. 
He said, my peace, not just any peace, but I'm leaving you my peace. And so when you look up that word peace, it's okay if we do a little Bible study real quick, right? Okay. When you look up that word peace and you go into the concordance, it's a word that's spelled E-I-R-E-N-E, if you're taking notes, E-I-R-E-N-E, and it's the word for peace, and it's pronounced Irene, is how it's pronounced. It looks like Irene, but that's not how it's said. And when you look at that word, it has five different definitions, and this is, how, this is why you have to rightly divide. Somebody say rightly divide. When you have to rightly divide the word of truth to be sure you understand and gain full concept of what's being said. So there's this neat app. It's called the Blue Letter Bible. And if you're serious about growing and studying the word, I encourage you to get this app because the neat thing about it is it has a built-in concordance with it. Now, some of you guys are like me from back in the day, and you had to have that big burgundy concordance, and every single time you find a word, you got to flip <laughs> and then find the cross-reference. But the good news about it, it's right here in your hands. So when you click on that um, scripture and you click on that specific word, uh, peace, it has all the definitions in here, and I'm going to read them for you for the sake of getting understanding. The first definition, it says, a state of national tranquility. So Jesus said, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. But when you look at this word, that's not the definition of what he was talking about. Surely, we can have peace against wars, but that's not what he was talking about right there. And if you just pick that definition out and apply it to that, you would have wrongfully divided that word. So then there's a second definition. It says, peace between individuals, harmony or concord. Now that's a definition we're a little bit more familiar with harmony and peace between individuals. The problem with that is that's also not what it's uh, describing, and I'll tell you how I know this in a second. That's also not what it's describing because that's talking about peace between two people. So he said, peace I give to you, my peace I give to you, and you could interpret that as peace between my brother and sister, but that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't saying I'm leaving you peace with one another. That is a type of peace, but that's not what he was referring to. The number three definition says, Security, uh-oh, sounds familiar. Safety, prosperity, felicity. Because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. Well, man, that's the type of peace I want. And what we normally do is we find a definition we like and we say that's what he was talking about. He's leaving me prosperity and safety and security. And, and does salvation provide that for you? Absolutely. But oddly enough, in context, that's not what that particular scripture was talking about. You say, how do you know all of this? In this same little app, <laughs> it will give you the definition that corresponds to the actual scripture. And then it will give you all the other scriptures that have that same definition. So you'll not only be able to see it in context in this scripture, you'll, go be, you'll be able to go and read it in other scriptures and really gain a full understanding. And that's what we're going to do today. Somebody said, I didn't know I was coming to school. Yes, we get educated in the Holy Ghost here. Amen. Amen. So even though that's a good definition, that's not the one it was referring to, the number four definition. It says, of the Messiah's peace. Now, I'm not going to lie. Before I 
went and looked at the corresponding scriptures, I thought this was the one. It says the way that leads to peace or salvation. Sounds good. But when I looked, went and looked at the sub-references below, I said, that's not the one. It was actually the fifth definition out of six. I'll give you the sixth one, and I'll come back to the fifth one. The sixth one says, the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. The blessed state of devout and upright men after death. And that still wasn't what he was talking about specifically there. Here's what he's talking about, the fifth definition. It says, of Christianity, so he's talking about Christians, he said, peace I give to you, my peace I leave to you. Here's what he said I'm leaving to you. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Check this out. And so fearing nothing from God and content with this earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. So let's look at this. Jesus is saying, peace I'm leaving to you. My peace I give to you. He's saying, I have an assurance. My mind is at ease as it relates to me being saved or me being right with God. And I'm going to leave you this same assurance. Not talking about just your spirit. He's saying, this is concerning your mind. That's where assurance happens at, right? Assurance doesn't happen in your body. Assurance doesn't happen in your spirit. Assurance is you being convinced of the fact that I'm good. And Jesus was shown enough convinced of the fact that he was good with God. He said, I'm going to leave you this same assurance that I had. And it's a peace, a tranquil state of mind. What does tranquil mean? What, does happen when you, what happens when you tranquilize something? Yell it out loud. Just talk to me. Huh? It go to sleep. It rests. When something's been tranquilized, it ain't killed. <laughs> Somebody said put down. Well, kind of, but not, it's not dead. But it is indeed at rest. If I got the peace of Jesus, my mind should be at rest. But not at rest just about anything. Got to keep this in context. At rest with the fact that I am saved at rest with the fact that I don't have anything to fear from God. Why? Because I'm good with him. See, this, that's the part people don't want to mess with. You say, that's right, you live peace. But, but it said fearing nothing from God. Why would I, what would I have to fear from God? Punishment. Punishment. Why? Because we mess up. But Jesus is saying, because I'm headed to that cross, and I am your sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. I am going to pay for your sins. And as a result, you're going to have the same assurance I got when it comes to God punishing you, which is you're not going to be punished because I'm taking it for you. Another way of saying this is you are going to be assured that you are the righteousness of God, not because of what you're going to do, but because of what I'm going to do. And this is a peace that you have that's going to be yours, but you got to make up your mind to believe it and receive it. Because an assurance is something that you got to take on. See, salvation is yours. Grace made that available, but it's up to you to receive the peace of Jesus.
Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. Same uh, scripture, verse uh, 27. He said, I am leaving you with a what? I am leaving you with a what? He said, this is a gift. Can't, <laughs> this is hard to ask parents sometimes. Can gifts be earned? Now, I know your mama used to take Christmas from you the way mine did because of bad behavior. They would just cancel Christmas. Like, how you, that was my, my birthday is the 24th. It's like, how you just cancel? So, so, you know, in the natural, some of us think gifts are earned. My good behavior means I get a birthday gift or I get a Christmas gift. But that's not, gifts can't be earned. How many guys work and you get a check? How would you feel if they told you that check was a gift? It's not a gift. You got 80 hours from this week. I want that and my overtime. When you work for something, it's not a gift. And so he's saying this peace that I'm giving you, you can't work for it. Well, what does that mean? If my work doesn't get me the peace of Jesus, my works can't lose me the peace of Jesus. It's his gift. And the only person that can take a gift is the giver. He's the only one that can take it back. And guess what? He's not taking it back. He said, I am leaving you with the gift. And then he just says it in this version. That's why I like studying different versions. You got to be careful, but I like them when they break it down. He said, I'm, I'm leaving you with the gift. And then what does it say? Peace of mind and heart. I know, I know what we've been taught. I'm just telling you it was incorrect and incomplete. He's saying, Calm down. Stop worrying. Stop trying to be, and, and hear what I'm saying when I say this, stop trying to be perfect to be saved and to be right. I was and am perfect, and your righteousness is in me. And when you believe that and receive that, now I as your Savior can help you live right. But it's not that you got to live right first to receive what I have. If you understand that, say amen. amen. <clears throat> he said, and the peace I give is a what? It's a what? It's a gift the world can't give. So there's only one way to get this. What's that way? What's the very first word in this scripture? I, and, 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 who, and who is that talking? Jesus, the only way to get this gift is from him. I can't get it through Buddha. I can't get it through Muhammad. I can't get it through Harry and them. I can only get it through Jesus. <clears throat> he said, it's a gift the world cannot give, so, do, so don't be troubled or afraid. Of what? Of God. I'm giving you this gift. Before this, man had something to worry about. Because if you know the law and you study the Old Testament law, you understand very well that it wasn't about just doing some things right. You had to do the entire law perfectly. People were dying, y'all, because they weren't doing this right. And that was a normal occasion and occurrence for those who were under the law. And then for the Gentiles, in the natural of things, they didn't really even fully have a law or a way. 
So it looked pretty bleak for humankind. And here comes Jesus saying, I'm giving you a way to the Father, and it's a perfect way, and it's a gift, and it's going to be through me, and can't nobody take it from you. Now somebody please show me where the work is for you in here to receive this peace. No, but I thought I had to make sure I don't ever sin. I'm not preaching to sin, but I'm just trying to show you something. I, I thought I had to do everything perfect. He's, he, didn't, he didn't put any condition on it. He just said, I'm giving you this gift. Why? Because I'm good. Why? Because God loves you. I mean, how many of y'all heard John 3.16 growing up? Okay, half of y'all didn't even raise your hand. Let me take you to John 3.16. Lord have mercy. John 3.16, go there real quick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. For God did what? Who? Who? It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his own one and only son. He gave him because he was good. He didn't say, world, once you love me, world, once you act right, then I'm going to bless you. you. I need you to, that's why this whole year we're talking about, in case you didn't know, this whole year we're talking about knowing God. And you got to know who he really is. You've been taught that he's this, this dude sitting up in a mountain in some clouds, and he will zap you when you do wrong. I hate to tell you that's Zeus. That's not God. That's not Jehovah. You, you got you, you to gotta open up your, talking about being woke, you need to open up your eyes to what's really being taught to you. Zeus is the one that was supposed to throwing down lightning bolts. And then, but Zeus did some other stuff, sleeping with everybody and doing all this crazy stuff. You got to watch these mixings that's going, God is love. He doesn't just have love. He is love. For this is how God loved the world. Not just the folks who show up to church on Sundays. Now I'm talking about your crazy cousin and them that you think ain't going to never be saved. God loves them too. This gift that Jesus gave wasn't just for you and me. It's for the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, who does what? Here's the condition. That's it. That's it. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So what's, what do I got to do? Believe. And that's why Jesus said, I'm leaving you this peace. I'm leaving you this assurance so that you'll believe. Jesus gave you a gift to help you believe. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this today. I'm trying to tell you, I know we spent years trying to figure out how to get money from God, how to get healing from God, how to get a house from God, how to get a car from God, how to get a wife or a husband from God, how to have some kids uh, that, that ain't ugly from God. We've been, we've been trying to do all this stuff, trying to get what we can get from God, and God is saying, all you need to do is receive the gift that I've given of salvation. I, he said, all I'm trying to do is get you to believe, and when you believe, everything that I've made available to you will manifest. Amen. And this is for everybody. Not just the pastor, not just the preacher. All we're supposed to be doing is just being a tour guide, for lack of a better word, to show you the way, excuse me, to the Holy Ghost. 
Because he's your teacher. Don't be looking at me to, to, to teach you everything. Now, he'll use me to help teach you, but he is your number one teacher. You spend maybe an hour with me and about 45 minutes of that awake. That ain't going to be enough. You got, you got 24-7 with him. You got him speaking to you in your dreams. You got him speaking to you when ain't nobody else around. And he doesn't have God. He is God. He doesn't have revelation. He is the revelation. And so my job is to point you to him. And his job is to point you to what we're talking about right here. Go to John 16, verse 33. So I'm going to say this while you're turning there. So the peace of Jesus is not just harmony or something like that. Uh, it is indeed the assurance of salvation or being made right with God. It's righteousness and therefore fearing no punishment from God. And I need you to get the concept that this is an assurance that happens in your mind. And that assurance leads you to believing in what Jesus has done so you don't fall into the trap of self-performance in that you have to do something to be right with God. The more you read this word and the more you understand what grace is made available, the, 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 the underlying point is Jesus did it and now you don't have to. Jesus did all the work and now you don't have to do that work. There is work for us to do, but the work for us to do is not to try to get or protect our salvation. The devil is working overtime trying to get us focused on trying to get and maintain our salvation and Jesus said what? Go ye into the world. By the time you get to the world, you're too tired because you've been trying to work for you. So I can't, I can't hear God to, to minister to my coworker or to my auntie or uncle or whomever. I can't share the gospel of grace with them because I don't even understand it for me. I'm trying to get my promotion. I'm trying to get my increase. I'm trying to get my, not realizing it's already yours. And you got a whole world out there that still think they got to earn salvation. You got a whole world out there that, 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 that still think God is mad at them because they are homosexual. Oh, y'all don't want to hear about this. How dare they talk about pride, this, that, and the other. Well, why don't you show them the truth? How dare, they pass, how dare they pass that little nasty, dirty law saying this and that and the other about the bathroom? Why don't you stand on the outside of that bathroom and witness to people? All these laws and all these parades and all this stuff does is give us a better target for those who need to understand God's grace. It's not there for you to sit and complain about folks. Are they part of the world? Then Jesus died for them too. And watch out now, because some of them might be more secure in their salvation than you are. Oh. Because you're sitting up here trying to earn everything, not realizing that your sin is no different than their sin. It's just we can see theirs. We can see their confusion. We can see their deception. I'm not saying it's right. 
But your deception and your confusion is something we can't see in the natural. And you're hiding it, deceiving yourself and trying to work it out on your own behind the scenes in a booth in the back of the corner, not realizing you're falling further away from grace because you're trying to work it out. But at least that person is showing up to church and trying to say, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do with this. I need a savior. Be careful, church. Of this judgment that we're bringing on people, running them away from the arms of love. God is love. Jesus is grace. This, it's unmerited, unearned favor. And whether you like it or not, your works can't earn it and your works can't lose it. And the moment, and let me just say this so you'll get the whole thing. The moment you receive the fact that his love provided grace, you are indeed saved. Now what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside of you, and according to Romans 12, 2, God begins to transform your thinking. But the drunk, the homosexual, the adulterer, the whomever else, often they don't get to the transforming their thinking part because the church runs them out. You in the same process. Amen? Amen? Realizing that God's grace is the only reason why I'm sitting here today. Because he loves me. And then you get, you get to sit here and hear the word, and then you start changing your thinking, and then your behavior, the sin behavior, starts falling off. But then we look at those other folks, and we try to judge them and say, don't even come in our doors. We got to change, y'all. I have told you all these things so that you may have what? Peace in me. Now, like I, back to our Bible study part, when you look at this word uh, peace or irene uh, right here, it starts listing all these other scriptures, and this was one of the first ones. This is the same type of peace. It's talking about that assurance in the mind uh, that you're right with God. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, Jesus is saying. He said, here on earth, you, you will have what? And what? Oh, oh, so this is defining for me right away that this doesn't mean that stuff may not try to happen. He said, you're going to have peace and understand in this world, stuff is going to try to happen, but take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So I don't have to worry about punishment from God, and at the same time, I don't have to worry about this mess that tries to happen in the world affecting me. And this is all because I am assured that I am the righteousness of God. Amen. And therefore, I'm at peace. If you understand that, say amen. amen. All right, let's keep going. Go with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. So are you understanding what that word peace talks about and means now? It's not just harmony. It's not just, uh, it's not just nothing missing, lacking, or broken, but this is an assurance in the mind. So I want to dive a little deeper in this to get to where we're going. Because somebody may say, well, how did you get righteousness out of that? Well, that's what we're going to look at right now. It says, therefore, since we have been made what? Okay, sounds like righteousness, doesn't it? That is indeed, that's the actual definition of righteousness. It's being made right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right, in whose sight? And, and can I tell you that that's all that matters? It don't 
matter what everybody else think about it, whether you're right with God or not. The peace of Jesus makes me right in God's sight, and that's the only opinion I really care about. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By faith. Faith in what? What Jesus did. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Show me where your work is in that scripture. Only thing you got to do is have faith. Sound too good to be true, don't it? Almost, because it's so enough truth. And some people, they spend a lifetime trying to get this point. And thank God we get to get it today. But my work is just to have faith. My work is to believe. And all else is secure as it concerns me. Let's keep going. Uh, Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. And we're going to just stick to the NLT for right now. It says, and let the peace that comes from who? Again, same peace, same assurance. Let this assurance come from Christ. Let that rule in your heart. Now, is it talking about your heart that pumps blood? No, it's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. The, the, the rule keeper, the, the umpire of your mind has to be this assurance that I'm good with God and I don't have to fear anything from him. He said, let that rule in your heart, and remember it comes from Christ. What does that mean? It's a gift. That means I can't mess it up. Let the fact that you can't mess up this peace rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live how? In peace. And always be thankful. For what? For this. It's good news. Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace. Again, it's the same version of that word. You will experience this assurance. You will experience this lack of fear of God punishing you. And this will exceed anything we can understand. His peace, this assurance, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So here we see this peace is not only just this passive thing, it's an active defense against the attack of the enemy. This peace, this assurance is an active defense whenever the enemy tries to come up and try to tell you who you're not, that you're not good enough, that you're not smart enough, that you're not saved enough. He's saying, no, remind yourself that the peace you have is not an imperfect peace, it's a perfect peace. How do I know that? Because it's Jesus' peace. He gave me his. The example I gave on Thursday night was it's like Jesus took the test of life and he got a perfect A on it. We flunked our test. But God said, I'm going to do a curve, and this curve, you're not going to get some of what Jesus got. I'm giving you his A. I'm giving his aid to the world, not because they earned it, not because you're smart enough to pass the test, because you'll never pass the test, but he passed it, and because he loves you and I love you, we're giving you his aid. You get an A, you get an A, you get an A. And we have accepted you now and adopted you into the family, not because of your works, but because he passed the test. 
So because he's passed the test, guess what? We've passed the class. So stop trying to pass the test. It's passed. You are the righteousness of God. I said you are the righteousness of God. It's, try, it's time to believe that, get up, and move on. God has things that he wants to take you to. He has stuff that he wants you to do. But, but you're still wrestling with your righteousness because you don't believe and you're not allowing peace to combat and defense, be your defense against all the negative things of the enemy. I know you messed up. But God doesn't see that failure. Because when he looks at you, all he sees is what was in that little cup, the blood. All he sees is you covered in the blood, and because you're covered in the blood of what Christ did on that cross, your sins have been forever washed. He literally says in the Bible, and I will remember their sins how often? No more. Not once a year. That was the Old Testament. He said, no more do I even remember. Well, no, but I got to pray. and I gotta, when, Stop sitting up there and praying them prayers, just reminding God of your sin. Lord, I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry for that. He's like, what are you talking about? Did you know for him to actually acknowledge what you're saying would be for him to disavow the blood of Jesus? If he says, yes, those are your sins, then he's saying the blood of Jesus didn't work. Think about it. Because either the blood washed you and cleansed you and atoned for your sins or it didn't. So for him to see your sin means that the blood of Jesus didn't work. His blood trumps your sin. His blood is greater than whatever it is you've done. And that's why we praise them. That's why we thank them. That's why you see people crying, and, and, and that's why it's what you can't understand sometimes. It's like, I don't get why you forgave me, but I thank you that you did. I, I, don't, I don't know why you did this, but I thank you that you did. And the job of the Holy Spirit, he has been sent to literally remind you of what I'm saying right now. He reminds you that sin is dealing with not believing and trusting God. He reminds you that you are the righteousness of God. And y'all know we studied this for months last year. And he reminds you that the enemy is the actual one. It says the devil, Satan, is the actual one being punished. That's up to us whether we want to believe it. I don't know about you, but I'm taking my A and I'm running. I don't think he's going to change his mind, but just in case, I'm taking it. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 12. Let me show you this in a, a little more depth. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Okay, so we are indeed the righteousness of God. I just want to get that point home. that you, It ain't changing. It ain't changing. It, and it's, now, can I, can I say something without you thinking I'm preaching heresy? The righteousness of God is available for the world. 
and the entire world has access to this A, this easy A, if you will. It wasn't easy for Jesus, but it's easy for us. So the Muslim, the, the murderer, the, the everybody, it's available for them all. The only difference between you and them is belief. That's, that's nuts. That's crazy. That's unconditional. That's for somebody because you're sitting debating on whether or not you want to share this with somebody. And God is saying they're worthy because he said they're worthy. And there is no thing that they have done that disqualifies them from being able to be a recipient of the righteousness that he's provided. I don't know who that's for, but take it and go share this with who God is speaking to you about. Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 12. Now we're going to look at this, and this is going to get into a little bit more depth about uh, the actual sin issue and who we are as a result of what Christ has done. So I'm going to read this whole thing, and then we're going to break it down. Uh, it says, when Adam sinned, sin did what? So this is where sin began. It's once Adam sinned. Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So sin brings with it what? Death or separation from God, being made wrong with him, disconnected from him. So death or disconnection from God spread to who? Everybody. For everyone, sin. Sin was in the blood, you could say. Verse uh, 13. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. Because when Adam was, did this, there was no Moses in law. Amen? So sin didn't just start with breaking the law. It says, yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was, no yet, uh, there was yet not any law to break. Verse 14. Still, everyone died. Why? Because sin was in the blood. It wasn't just about disobedience. It was you're born, you're from Adam, you're in sin, eventually you're going to physically die, and also you now have this separation between you and God, unless you believe. It says, from the time of Adam to the time of who? Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol or a representation of Christ who was yet to come. A lot of times... Um, they call Jesus the second Adam. So Adam was the first Adam, and Jesus was the second Adam, fixing what the first Adam messed up. Amen? Amen? Verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Check this out. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. We saw it was to everyone. But, I mean, you guys know it's time to pay attention. Even greater, even greater than Adam's sin is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. The result of that one man's sin was death. The result of God's gracious gift is something greater. It says, for Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made what? Right with God. Sounds like the peace of Jesus. 
Jesus said, I'm leaving you an ability to get right with God. And this ability to get right with God is going to come from me being your perfect sacrifice. And as long as the sacrifice is good to go, you're good to go. Now, if Jesus out of the blue gets to sinning and messing up, then how many guys know our sacrifice is messed up? But he ain't doing that. So as long as the sacrifice is good to go, we're good to go. It says, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Do you see that? Are you reading what I'm reading? I could have sworn they taught me in Sunday school that if I mess up, God don't want nothing to do with me until I do some stuff, say some stuff to be right. Almost sound like the Catholic Church, don't it? I'm just saying. But it says, even though I'm guilty of many sins, his free gift is the way to me being made right. Why in the world is he saying it's a free gift right here? Because he wants you to know there is no price tag on it for you. He wants you to know that there is no way for you to earn it. That all you have to do is believe it and receive it and it's yours. This is what the Bible says, y'all. This is not what I'm saying. This is not just what Dr. Dollar is saying. This is not just man talking. This is him. This is all of what Jesus did. The whole reason why he came to earth was to make you right with God. Verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin. Sin has no victory in your life. What is that saying? Okay, let me, let me take the Christianese out of that. Earlier we just read in this same chapter that when you sin, death was going to be the result. When you have triumph over sin... It's saying you have triumph over the results of sin. So sin or death or separation from God no more is your end. Because of what Jesus did when you believe it and receive it, you have triumph over sin and death through this one man who is Jesus Christ. You are right with God regardless of the sin that may take place. People don't want to hear that though. But it's the truth. We just on 17, 18. Let's go. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. What is that saying? That means we all need a Savior. Verse 18, stay with 18. But Christ's one act of righteousness. What was his one act of righteousness? What is it talking about? when he went up on the cross. That one act, just like Adam's one act of disobedience, this was Christ's one act of obedience brings a right relationship with God and a new life for who? Where's your work at in this? Do you understand that Jesus has done it all for you? Are you seeing what I saw when I studied that he has done it all for you? That you are right with God. 
I know what you smoked yesterday, but you are right with God. I know what you said on the way to church to your spouse, but you are right with God. Your sin, I'm going to say it, does not change the fact that you are the righteous. The opposite of being a sinner is not being saved. Being a sinner is a title. That's who you were before you received Christ and what he did. Your new title is righteous. The opposite of being a sinner is being the righteous. You got to stop looking at the destination, which is salvation. The result of being the righteous is salvation, just like the result of being a sinner is death. You got to understand that you are the righteous. Another word for that is being called a saint. You are the righteous. Hello, righteous. And see, the, the enemy doesn't want you to hear that because the more you hear that, the more you walk through life, and even though crazy stuff may happen or stuff may go on, you'll stop and say, but I'm the righteousness of God. I'm right with him. And you'll start hearing it, and the more you hear it, your faith will get built up, you'll start believing it, and before you know it, you're no longer depending on you to fix stuff, but you're 100% trusting in this guy named Christ. You are the righteous, not because you've earned it, but because Jesus has earned it and then given his gift of peace, his gift of righteousness to you. You are not sinners just because you have sin. Sin has no more dominion. You are the righteous. Your sin problem will get taken care of once you declare and decree who you are. You're still sinning because you still think you're not fully the righteousness of God. So you are still open in your mind to sinning. But the moment you close off your mind and gain the peace of Jesus and accept and, and, and gain access to the fact that I'm assured of my righteousness, I'm assured of my salvation, then you will turn yourself completely over to your Lord and Savior. And then he will rule in your life and then he will begin to change the way you think and as a result change the way you live but as long as the enemy can keep you playing double dutch with righteousness and i'm in and i'm out and i'm in and i'm out i mean i don't know i don't know what i am and and and, and this, then sin will just keep having rule in your life because you won't stay on the righteous side your righteousness is there but you keep jumping out of it because in your mind you think you got to earn it stay in your designation. You have a designated position that you don't deserve. But you got it. Stay in your seat. Stop getting up and getting out of it. But thank God ain't nobody else going to take your seat. But your seat can stay empty if you don't stay in it. And you stay in your seat by convincing yourself, that's my seat. It's yours. Verse, uh, did I finish this one? Yeah, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Verse 19. Because one person did what? Disobeyed God. Many became, there's that title, sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, this is why I said the opposite of being a sinner, many will be made, what's that new title you got? 
righteous. You are no longer sinners. Say, I am no longer a sinner. And some of y'all said that like you still don't get. Say, I am no longer a sinner. I am the righteous. We are the righteous. We are the righteous. Not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did. And I believe it. And I receive it. And I show enough needed. And I got it. That's, that's it, y'all. That's it. And guys, this is just the, this, this is like step one. <laughs> and once you can, identity is everything for us. Once we can be convinced of who we are, now you'll begin to walk in what you got. Not that you're convinced, not that you can be convinced that you're a son of God or a daughter of God. One, one scripture says you're an heir of God. Wait a minute. The son of a Collins is a Collins. Or let me just put it this way. Let me change it. If you come from a human, you a... If you come from a dog, you a... If you come from a cat, you a... If you come from a God, you're a... I'm just trying to say, I'm not making the definitions up, but then we want to say that that's not who we are. No, Christ lives on the inside of you and you are an heir of God. He is your daddy. You have now been restored back to the state where Adam and Eve were at. And as a result, you're not like everybody else. You are a joint heir, it says, with Christ. What does that mean? That means what Jesus has, I got. Last I checked, he wasn't normal. Now, you got what you got to do what he wants you to do here. You don't got what you got just to, oh, you, I'm sorry, you don't have what you have just to, just, to, just, to do, just to make yourself better. You're as better as better can be. See, that's what people have a hard time understanding because they don't see it manifesting just yet. That's because your mind has to be renewed and you got to give time for God to do what he's doing with you. The work is not for you to work on yourself. The power is not for you to apply it to yourself. It is for you to go out there and now demonstrate his love to people. Jesus, it says, was the express image of God in this earth. And guess who you now get to be an express image of? Jesus. But you can't do that if you ain't got no power. That's why he gave you power. You can't do that if you don't have no authority. That's why he gave you his authority. You can't do that if you don't have no peace. That's why he gave you his peace. He gave you everything he got so that you can continue to do what he did. And if I'm not mistaken, he said, and greater. That's why we have to be convinced that we're the righteous. Verse 20. I guess I ain't going to get to finish this, but that's all right. God's law was given so that all people could what? Read it, read it. See how sinful they were. Wait, I thought God's law was given because I'm supposed to live by it. No, his law was given so it could point you back to the fact that you needed a Savior. His law was given because people said, I can do this. He said, really? Children of Israel, they were at that mountain. They said, we can do it. 
We can do anything God says. And God says, really? You don't think you need me anymore? Okay, let me give you these laws. But God being God, he said, now, when you break them, let me give you a way to fix that. He knew they couldn't keep them. If, if, if he thought he could keep them, why did he give a sacrifice system? He did the same thing for Christians. He said, don't sin, but he said, when you do, go, hey, let me show you this. First John uh, chapter 2, I think it's verse, we'll start at 1, and I think it goes into 2. Real quick, let me show you this, and then we'll come back. Let me show you how God works for those who think he's just this zap you out of the sky God. First John 2, chapter one, uh, verse 1. Yeah, it says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not what? So that you will not what? So is God telling us to sin? Absolutely not. But then read the next sentence. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case. See, in the Old Testament, he said, don't sin. But if you do, once a year, you got to bring a sacrifice to cover your sins. Then he tells the grace-based believer, don't sin. But if you do, you have a permanent sacrifice, a blood from the blood of Jesus, your advocate who pleads your case to the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And what did he do with that righteousness? Gave it to you. You don't have a sin problem. I said, you don't have a sin problem. You just don't. You're trying to have one, but you don't. They told you you got one. God doesn't see your sin. You don't have a sin problem with him. So now when it comes to your practical sin that you're doing, now is where you say, Lord, help me with this. Because it's not hurting me with you, but it is hurting me. I can't hear you as clearly. I can't stay as focused as I need to on what you want me to do. But I'm not disconnected from you because of this, but I'm having a hard time on this earth because of this. Your sin does have some natural consequences, but going to hell ain't one of them. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. So now I want to get the sin problem, I'm sorry, I want to get the sin issue squared away, not so I can go to heaven, that's secure, but so I can live for God on this earth. Because how can I not want to live for him when he's done all of this for me? Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let me show you this real quick. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let who transform you? God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Who changes the way you think? Who? I thought I had to do it. Mm -mm. Trying to change without God is what we call self-performance. You're, you're trying to be like God without him. No, God is your savior. He's your helper. He's, your, he, he's the one that does it all, y'all. So when it comes time now to deal with the sinning that you may perform, now you go to him and say, Lord, transform my thinking. Transform my thinking. You know where this started. You know where this came from. You know the root issue. Help me with this. And you can do it without fear. See, that's the difference. 
You used to go and talk to them about it, but you were doing it out of fear of going to hell or, or not being blessed or, or, or getting sick because you got an open door in your life. No, no more fear. I'm coming to you just because I love you and I want to live in line with your word. I want to be somebody, I don't want this sin messing with my ability to have a testimony for others before you. I'm doing all this crazy stuff and people see me doing it and then when I come and try to share you with them, they have a hard time receiving it because they see me messing up. I want to get that right, Lord, because I don't want to ever be a stumbling block to others as I'm trying to point them to you. Now your motivation for getting right changes. Amen? So, who we believe we are affects everything that we do and have available to us. I'll uh, read, uh, we'll go to this last section and then we'll close out for today. Because I feel like I just kind of opened up the fire hydrant on you today. And I told you, we're going to hang out in this for a little while. Because how many of y'all getting something out of this? I mean, you're, you're hearing something maybe you hadn't heard before. It's making sense. And, and, and one, one thing we've learned in, in World Changers is you don't have to get it all out at once. Actually, it's not always good to because you got to give people time to kind of process what they're hearing. Because it's like, is this joker talking about I'm good with God? Like for real, and he just showed me scriptures? Man, you got to process that. You got to work with that. But it's still true. Glory to God. Amen. Uh, let's go back to Romans 5, 18. Romans 5, 18. Uh, we'll stay, stick in the New Living Translation. Romans 5, 18. There we go. All right. Yes, Adam's one sin brings what? Condemnation for who? Everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and then a what a new life think about it I want you to think about this right now think about your old life for some of you that was the life before you walked into this room and realized that you have a new life but think about your old life that's done that's done you have a new life in Christ and you can't unearn it. Goodness is now your destiny. Because righteousness is your designation. As the righteousness of God, you're promised goodness. You're promised favor. You're promised mercy. You're promised power. You're promised healing. You're promised all of this, not because of how good you are. It's because you belong to the family of God. Welcome to the club of the righteous. People say, how can you sit there and, and stand? And yeah, give them praise. How can you sit there and, and, and just believe that everything's going to work out? Welcome to the family of righteous. Where we believe what God says and we have an abundance and no lack. Where there's nothing missing, lacking, or broken. And, and even when we don't know what to do, we have the wisdom of God that shows us what to do. Where we triumph over sin. Where death has no dominion. Where the sick are healed and the dead are raised. Welcome 
It's all yours. So now, let peace, the peace of Jesus, let that guard your mind. All this time we thought that scripture meant something. He said, no, 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 no. Peace is an active thing that is mounted around everything we talked about today. And when the enemy tries to come and he tries to come against that, mm -mm, you remind yourself, I got the peace of Jesus. I got the peace of Jesus. And all is well in my life. You, know, you want to know your authority? Christ is your authority. Your sonship is your anointing. And you have all of him. And there is nothing y'all can't do. So what is it that you're facing today? I want you to start speaking directly to that thing. With the authority that the righteous of God have. Speak to that thing. Pastor, pray for him. You pray for it. And you speak to that thing. I'll do it for you, but, but you can do it for yourself. That's the difference between the immature and the mature. You have the authority. You have the power. And I want you in this room to start practicing the power so that when you go out there, it'll just overflow. Speak to your bodies. Speak to your finances. Speak to your mind. Speak over them blessed children. Speak to that marriage. Speak to that job. This, this is how you're supposed to be praying. It is done. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So be it. Let it be written. Let it be so. Last time I checked, Jesus never begged for anything. The last time I checked, Jesus just declared what was true. Did you hear what I said? When he spoke to the storm, he said, peace be. Why? Because he already saw it still. He already saw peace. Did you hear what I said? He didn't go by what he saw in the natural because he had faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. The natural eye didn't see it, but he saw it. When he, spoke to, when he spoke healing, when he said, Lazarus, come forth. How did Lazarus come forth? Was it magic? No. He already saw Lazarus alive. He knew it was done. He knew he had the power. Do you know you got the power? Amen. I said, do you know you got the power? Amen. No, 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 no. Do you really know you got the power? Because if you know you got the power, you'll be speaking. Amen. Speak to the thing. Ain't that what it say? Speak thou to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but what? Believe. There it is. And what's going to happen? You have whatever you think about, you're hopeful, whatever you say. All this week, you should be speaking. You shouldn't nobody be able to shut you up but you'll speak himself. Because you're just declaring and decreeing the manifestation of God's grace all over your life. I pray that right now in Jesus' name that 
as the righteousness of God, all is well in every area of your life. And right now, we speak to any disease that is in the mind or in the body, and we declare healing and wholeness. We speak to any brokenness in marriage, and we say what God has brought together, no one will put us under. We speak to the relationship with the family, and we declare that peace rules and reigns. We speak to the finances right now, and we declare more than enough to cover all that God has. Abundance and no lack. We speak that all is well in the house. All is well for everyone. And we declare and decree that we are the righteous, no longer sinners. We believe it and we receive it on today in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, you can do better than that. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. Man, this just keeps getting gooder and gooder and gooder. And we just going to keep enjoying it. Amen. Good word that we can understand and apply and just live by. And don't be afraid of it radically changing some of your previous beliefs. Amen. Uh, make sure it's in the word. Make sure it's right to divide it. And if it is, receive it. I said receive it. Amen. Um, don't allow the enemy to rob you of any revelation. Well, if you're in this room um, and you want to sow today, uh, we encourage you to do just that. Uh, remember, you're blessed. I said you're blessed, right? So I'm not giving to get blessed. I'm giving because I'm mature. I'm, I am a mature believer. Abraham tithed, but he tithed to honor God, not to be blessed. He tithed because he was blessed, as a matter of fact. Tithing is something that definitely is biblical. But we just refuse to lie to you and say, if you don't tithe right now, you're going to be broke. No, the mature believer sows. That's the truth. Seed time and harvest is real. That's the truth. But what is God telling you to do today? Now, when you sow, it, it goes into the outreach that we do. It, it pays mortgage. It keeps lights on. Uh, this air conditioning you fill in, it didn't pay for itself. All of what you do helps us further minister the word of God all around this world. And we appreciate every gift that you have. But don't give out of guilt. Be a cheerful giver. Can I say this and be really honest with you? If you can't give cheerfully, keep it in your pocket. Because it ain't going to do nothing for you spiritually. So that's why I said, listen to the Holy Spirit and decide what you, what you want me to do. And then cheerfully obey Him. But don't you dare go to another church or another service or another conference and plop money in a bucket trying to buy anything from God. He has given you everything. So if this is your church home, support it. Sow into it. Tithe into it. Just like you would your gym membership. Amen? They're helping you lose weight. They're helping you do what they're supposed to happen. So what? You keep it going. Well, if this church is helping you, sow into it. And, that's, and that's, what, that's what that part of giving is about. And we're just going to trust and believe God. 
for all that is needed. And we declare that everything is right in your life. Amen? Father God, we just thank you for the gifts that are being given. And as we sow in the different various ways, we trust and believe your word that says we are your righteousness. And as a result, all is well in our lives. We thank you for the seed that's going into the ground, for the mighty harvest that it will return and for the lives that will be changed. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. As they're doing that, if you're in this room and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, after a message like today, I don't know how you can stay away from him. He loves you whether you receive him or not. Your righteousness is locked in and secured whether you take it or not. What we're saying is receive it. If you're in this room and you're not saved and you've never received Christ. Now, now hear what I'm saying, and I'm going to start saying this a specific way. Because some people thought they were saved, and then they start hearing this and be like, I never received that. I never believed this. So I don't know if I'm saved. Well, that's okay. You can be assured of that today. But what do we do? We bring you up here to the front. We briefly talk to you, and then we take you to a back room. We show you this. It, it doesn't take very long at all. But we, at this church, we want to make sure you get understanding. So we go and show you this in the word. And then we pray a prayer with you, securing what it is that you now are standing in belief for. So if you're not saved, I want to invite you down to the front. Or maybe if you are saved and you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the evidence is speaking in tongues, we do believe in speaking in tongues as an evidence. It's one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit is not only in you, but up on you. Why do I need the Holy Spirit up on me? I need the Holy Spirit up on me because... That's the power that enables me to go and do what God has called me to do. Jesus did the same exact thing when he was baptized and it said the spirit of God came up on him like a dove. That's when Jesus went and started doing his ministry. He didn't do any ministry before that. But once the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was empowered to do the work. You may be saved and your salvation is secure, but now the ability to go and do what he's called you to do, that requires the Holy Spirit. So if you want to receive that gift, we'll show you in the Word, and then we'll get you squared away. And last but not least, if you're looking for a good church home, then we invite you to come down here. I can't think of any place other than where I'm hearing the Word, where I'm growing, and where I'm loved. That's the place I want to be. Amen? And that's a world changer's church. And since it's raining like that, you might as well come on down. Amen. <laughs> so, amen. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. Don't worry about the rain. It's just helping us out. Amen. Some of y'all looking like, my hair is going to be all right. Yeah, it's going it's to be good by the time you get out there. Uh, so I want you to turn to your left, right, front, and behind. Ask that person around you if they need ministry for any one of those things. Salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or if they want to join the church. If they say yes on any one of those things, help them come down to the front. We've all had to make these decisions. And if your brother or sister is making that decision today, then help them come down. We'll pray with them for them. like we're all good in the house. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, how many of you guys were blessed by today's message again and just the service all together? Amen. Well, go ahead and raise your hands with me as we prepare to be dismissed. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. 
we will continuously rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you that we are the righteous as we've received your peace, Jesus. Now unto him who was able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. As we leave this place, Lord, we go in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you go, uh, uh, yeah, let's give him praise. Before you go, uh, one quick announcement. Uh, we just want to take a moment to um, highlight our children's ministry ladies. So if y'all want to come up, uh, we just want to, we, the, the, um, we just want to say thank you to them. Please, if you're a parent, you know, give them a round of applause. Say, you know, we just want to just highlight them and take a moment that these, these ladies, every Wednesday and Sunday, so into your kids. They make sure that they're getting the word. They make sure that they're learning all their Bible, um, sorry, uh, scriptures, uh, learning the Bible lessons, um, and they are faithfully serving every single Sunday and Wednesday. And I just uh, want a couple of them to speak uh, on what they do. Good morning. Good afternoon, World Changers. <laughs> My name is Kara Anderson, and I am the, um, the lead infant and toddler teacher um, and also one of the team members for curriculum development here at World Changers Church Houston. And um, I just want to say that we don't take it lightly that you all entrust your children with us because I know that it is important to have a safe learning environment for your children. So um, with that being said, I just want you to know, like uh, Pastor Melissa said, that, you know, we do teach them, you know, we're not just a daycare or a, a drop off, you know, so you can get the word. We also want to impart the word into them. So same grace based teaching that Pastor Archie ministers from the pulpit is the same things that we reiterate to the children just on their level. So just so you know, they are getting fed. Now, when they get in the car, they might not remember everything <laughs> because we do have fun you know we don't try to sit them down and just say Jesus 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 we want them to have fun and interact and just uh, allow the love of God to flow through us and into them so we just you know wanted to let you guys know what we do and what we're here for and we're so grateful that you allow us to do it and bring your children and we're continuing to grow um and with that being said I'm gonna pass the mic to somebody else but um we are looking for volunteers um if you have a heart to serve and just eat, no matter what amount of time that you can give, we welcome you because we need help. And we need volunteers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hi, World Changes. How are you today? My name is Trina, and I am one of the lead teachers for our super church. So that means that's the age where they're getting ready to cross over right before they cross over. So they have an understanding of who God is, and we're building on that. It's special for me working in children's ministry, and I've been doing it for a while now, because I always feel like the children's church is the heart of the church. As we move forward and we grow and we continue to grow as they grow up, they become who we are today. And the things that we put into them now, even though they can't remember it when they get in the car, when they get home, guess what? When it's time, the Holy Spirit is going to call that thing to remembrance. And they're going to be able to reach somebody else by the word that we put into him. They might be able to tell that bully at school that that's not God. They're going to share the word at the appointed time when God gives it. 
these ladies you see here, they love on your children. Most of all, they show them the love of God. It was funny yesterday. God is so awesome. When I tell you that he moves in every department in this church, we don't take it lightly putting the word of God in your kids. We have our monthly meeting, and we came, and we were in our meeting yesterday. And our meetings, we're meeting and uh, discussing how to better and make sure things are better for your kids and make sure that they get the word and keep it and continue to grow. But during our meeting yesterday, we began to pray, and we were sharing with each other, and we were talking. And right in the midst of prayer yesterday, Sister Danielle led the prayers out. And she said, the Holy Spirit told me to pray for healing. And I'm just going to tell you, the things that we don't think that's important or the little things that we think that are just not important and doesn't make sense, let me tell you, God is working in every integral piece of the church, even in the children's ministry. She began to pray yesterday and pray for healing. None of us knew why. None of us knew why. As soon as I got home yesterday, I got a call and said, hey, I had a CT scan on Thursday. They said, you have to immediately get to the hospital. You have acute appendicitis, and it could burst right away. We want you to go to the ER right now. Well, I didn't even think, of, think any of it. I'm a nurse. I was like, okay, yeah, acute appendicitis is, is something. I'm going to go to the ER. I called my husband and said, you take your time. I'm going on. Meet me there. But it called to my remembrance what we were doing yesterday in the children's ministry and how she just started praying healing. And I said, oh, God, that was for me. That was for me. So the doctor came in and said, we're going to do another CT. Well, the nurse and me said, ooh, you double, you're going to double order an exam I already had? That's money. That's money. They teach us not to do that. But let me tell you what God was doing. He was creating this testimony for today to show you that even in the midst of us being back here, we're not here every Sunday. But we're back there, and God is still back there in the midst of us. He's in the midst of every integral thing that we do. So when I tell you that the CT that they did in the ER last night came back negative, no acute appendicitis. Now they said there was some, they said there was some areas on there that they still wanted me to see the surgeon about on Monday. And they wouldn't even tell me what they were. But I believe it is done. It is done. And so as we impart in each other, we take this same spirit, same energy, and we put it on the inside of your children. And so we're asking you to help us plant a seed in your child. Every parent should want to know what we're teaching. Come back there. I challenge you to come back and be a part of the heart of the church. Amen. Amen. So just ladies, we thank you so much for all that you do, all that you give. And you please give them a round of applause, hug them, love on them. So thank you all. Thank you again. Thank you so much. You are dismissed. <laughs>